everyone, Shannon Tipton here, and welcome to the Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool L&D peeps hang out. While you're here, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future chats. Today, the cool kids are talking about boosting creativity. Now, have you ever uttered the words, I'm just not a creative person? Well, I know I have, and there have been times where we've all needed to create something, be it a video, a blog, a learning program, developing an infographic or designing some kind of animation. But no matter how much we stare at a blank computer screen, we can't seem to get started. We can't seem to think of anything good or different. Well, here's the thing. Everyone has their own way of building skills. And this is what creativity is. It's a skill. Creativity is not exclusive to any one subset of people. It can be built and you can do this. So the question on the table today is, how are you encouraging your own creative spirit? So without further ado, let's get to it. All right, happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to our chat about creativity, how to boost creativity to gain more inspiration and maybe help us be better at what we do. We're all pretty awesome at what we do, but maybe a little bit of creativity couldn't hurt us. And I think I've always sort of fallen into that bucket of, oh, I'm just not that person. I don't consider myself a creative by nature. I see all of these people that just seem to whip out a pen and make magic happen. I'm just like, that's just not me. But I believe that that's a limiting belief because creativity comes in so many shapes and forms and how we apply that creativity, I think becomes really important. And so you think about building in creativity and doing some really fun things. I think that's great. So now question on the table, what does it take for us to shift our mindset from one of being that limiting belief of, oh, I'm just not this creative person to thinking that we can be creative. What's it going to take to make that happen? And what's it going to take to make our creative juices kind of bubble up? What do you do to bring out some of your own creative juices? And I have a couple of exercises that we're going to do today. And I also have this book that I'm going to give away today too. I I found I had extras on my bookshelf. So I thought, this is a fun one. Ooh, Connie's got it. Excellent. So Heather says, number one, stop saying that you're not creative. There we go. So if we can take that out of our vocabulary, I think that would be an important way to go about it. Carol. I think that people need to embrace what appeals to them. So I know I love fun fonts and I'm attracted to color and I love infographics. I do honestly feel like I'm a creative person. I've done a lot of scrapbooking and card making. So all of those things appeal to me. So it's just like lean into it and embrace it. You love those things. So technically you are, you do have a creative aspect to you and stop. I think like we just don't think that we do, but we truly do. I mean, that's my opinion, but I I think that that's very true. And even when you, when you shop or like when a book cover appeals to you, there's a reason it appeals to you. 
it's kind of tapping into your creative side and what you actually enjoy. I agree. I agree. I think if you can build on that, then your creativity blossoms. Right, Kelly? I'm a big proponent of just letting go of the fear of failure and risk because the creativity process is full of failure. I mean, I have some really bad paintings that I've done. And then I've had some really beautiful ones and that some work and some don't, and you can just paint over it. Same with making jewelry and, you know, gardening. If a plant doesn't look good there, well, then move it. Right. So I'm with Carol that there is part of creativity is figuring out what you like. And then why do you like it? What is the color or the structure or how somebody did it? And then doing that self-examination of why you like it and then try to recreate it. It's amazing when you take somebody else's design. Now, I'm not saying commercially, but, you know, if you love somebody's PowerPoint, go see if you can create it. Do it again. That is an act of creativity. And then say, well, I like blue. I like green. Like, could I do this in a different color? So letting go and know that this is a low risk activity that you are going to make something ugly. And then maybe next time it might look nice. Right. (laughs) You have to go out there and try it. I I love that sentiment so much. And I wrote it down. The creativity process is full of failure. I think that is just the best statement. It's absolutely true. I know that I've failed on a number of things. And then maybe that something that comes out the end wasn't even close to what I was thinking about doing at the beginning. And that's kind of fun. But Mary, don't shame yourself for not being interested in doing PowerPoints. Maybe your creative interests are elsewhere. Absolutely. So a lot of times we, we think we've got to fit into a certain niche or do a certain thing. And then, you know what? That's just not our groove. Andrew? What I find interesting from a, a creativity thing is the idea that you have to come up with something unique, which I think is what a lot of people struggle with. It has to be entirely new. I think that's probably a highly unlikely. You know, there's only, what, six notes in music, but every piece of music always seems to sound a bit different. So I'm a big fan of the technique of bricolage, which is taking art and things from somewhere else and putting them together to create something new. And you can do the same thing with ideas. So some a load of the stuff that I talk about is taking ideas from other places, reinterpreting them, changing them slightly. And so one thing I would always encourage people to do is to look at, well, what are the ideas that you like, but don't quite make it? And what can you do to change them? And that is a really good first step uh, in terms of creativity. Being creative isn't coming up with something new. It's coming up with something which works for you. And it's about assembling all of the ideas that work in one place together, not necessarily a new idea. Absolutely. And thank you for that. And I think that goes to, um, Kelly, what you were talking about. Like if you saw somebody's PowerPoint, it was really awesome. And you wanted to see what can I do with that? I think a lot of times if we contacted the person and said, how did you do that? And then got a handle on how they did X, PowerPoint or otherwise, how they did X. And then you can take that and run with that idea and make it your own to Andrew's point. It's not necessarily coming up with something new, it's coming up with something that is different for you. I think that's a great point. And creativity could be imagining something new or innovative. An example would be to revise a process or methodology. You know what? That's a great point, JD. Do you want to carry that forward? It doesn't necessarily have to be something like a design or a PowerPoint or a drawing or something like that. 
the creativity can be identifying something that um, can be used to improve a process or looking at something in a new way or a new light. Yeah, I like that. You know what? I think that's another thing that compels us to think that we're not creative by nature because we're automatically thinking about creativity as an art form. Correct. Right. And when we think about creating different processes or different procedures or a new way to get from here to there, that is also a creative process. That's an iterative process that can be very creative. I appreciate that point of view there, J.D. Carol, getting out into nature can also inspire creativity. Colors, textures, plants, flowers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Carol, is that something you do often? I'm not a huge summer person, so I don't find myself walking a lot in the heat of the summer, but I will go on an early morning walk or an evening walk, and I just try to just live in the moment. You know, like when the air feels fresh and it's on your skin, and I just try to look at things that I see, like in my neighborhood or wherever I'm walking. I live in Illinois, so like a lot of people plant like these spring flowers in front of their houses, and you see like these brilliant like purples and magentas and it's like sometimes I'll actually snap a photo and like kind of save something like color that inspires me or something that I see that inspires me and I'll kind of contemplate it later on why I liked it so much so I'm with you and I'm from Illinois too I think as you might know yes it's here (laughs) Illinois in the house and yeah because I think it's because and I think other midwestern and Eastern states are probably similar, is that we get so much winter. And then when spring starts to come through the snow and when the summer flowers finally start to bloom, you have almost a new appreciation for these colors that you haven't seen in like six months. So I think that it does spark something. And I do that too, Carol, is I I find myself taking pictures of things because I'm attracted to the color, not necessarily because I'm attracted to whatever that thing is. And so I think from a creativity perspective, if we followed our instincts, maybe, you know, then that might lead us to fuel whatever passion or whatever project that it is that we're trying to fuel. And the other thing I was typing into the chat is I actually, on my phone, I created a photo album called Inspiration. You know, if you see it on a website and I'll do a screenshot or if it's live in real life, I'll actually snap a photo and then I keep adding photos to that album in my phone. And then when I'm just looking for something nice to look at, I'll pull up that album and scroll through all the photos. I love that idea. I love that idea too. I love to read too. And I go to the library or the bookstores and I do the same thing with book covers because some book covers are just great. It's like a great font or a great color and it catches your eye. And I, I do that a lot. So yes, Connie, I love that you do that also. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. I agree with you with the bookstore. I find book covers to be hugely fascinating. I thought I was the only one who thought that. So thank you, Carol. I appreciate that I'm not alone in that oddity. So Connie, you struggle with the difference between creativity of an artist versus creativity of a non-artist. You want to take me through your comment there? Yeah. So I grew up with, I mean, my mother was an artist and a musician. She could draw anything, paint most anything. She could play most any instrument. 
And several of my sisters and brothers are just like that and nephews and nieces. So I feel like I have a live in an artistic family and I am not that way. I mean, my brain's like a computer. Accounting is easy for me. That's not what I do, but it's easy for me. Numbers and things like that were always easier. So I love to view art. And I guess that's where that book, Still Like an Artist, a kind of, I like that concept because I love like the flowers. I take photographs. I, I do all that. But to actually, you know, someone can come in and make a PowerPoint and like naturally make it very artistic. I can't naturally do that. I literally have to see ideas and then build on those like um, Mary Young was mentioning and Heather mentioned too. That's more what I do. And I, I guess that is creativity, but I almost feel like I'm a pretending to be an artist <laughs> because I have lived with artists, true artists. I like Kelly's, there, Jennifer's, I'm sorry, Jennifer's statement. Give yourself a bit of a break. Creativity doesn't have to be a yes, no, you know, path. It's a journey. And as JD expressed, I think we do think about creativity in this one very narrow definition. And we don't let ourselves think about you know, the creativity behind numbers, the creativity behind computer programming, the creativity behind science. There's a lot of different avenues there that we can take when it comes to expressing these creative ventures. I appreciate Jennifer, you know, giving you that little pat on the back. So that's great. Thank you for that. And Heather, I tend to draw a blank on what to create. I'm very good at doing crafts and figuring out what to do. That's why in the email... I put in the paint by numbers link. Some of you who might be my age, you know, in your late 50s, you may be thinking paint by numbers. You think about this little rudimentary cat or dog or something like that. But paint by numbers, and I have to thank Chris Colodonato for this. The paint by numbers now are almost Picasso-like. I mean, they're beautiful and you would never know. And if you did something like that, And even though it's number oriented, it's leading you down this path. You still sort of have this choice between where do I want to go and perhaps what colors might I want to use? Do I want to adjust this or move that? And it still gives you that creative bent. But yet at the end, you still come out with something, right? And so I think it's a great way to sort of kick off that creative, you know, mojo, if you will. And a great book. Now, Maureen, did you mention a book earlier here as I go? Up the chat. Yeah, I mentioned two books, and the one I mentioned at the last session as well, it's called Orbiting the Giant Hairball by Gordon McKenzie. He, and he ended up being one of the kind of founders of shoebox greetings for Hallmark cards. And he just talks about how when you're younger, you know, if you ask young kids, like, who thinks they're creative or who's artistic, who wants to be an artist, like a lot of hands go up. But then the older that they get, like the fewer hands that go up because the message is sent that, well, creativity that's not worth their artistic pursuits that's not viable like that's not important kind of thing but then the other is when somebody said looking at things from a different angle it's how to think like Leonardo da Vinci by Michael Gelb and so one of the aspects is around like physically looking at something from a different perspective going somewhere else and seeing it differently but there's a lot of great ideas in there that were inspired by what the author believes Leonardo da Vinci was all the different parts of his mind he was using. It may also have to do more with allowing ourselves and our minds to be still every once in a while so that we can let things kind of yeah. as opposed to always having to like produce, produce, produce. 
Like, just be still. I agree. And let's talk about the creative process. When do you feel creative? And so now that we've sort of had a conversation about the different types of creativity and what that means to each of us, understanding that it is an individual feeling, it's an individual effort. When do you feel like you can think about this? For me, I agree with you, Maureen. It's when I'm doing nothing or what would be a nothing task, you know, like doing the dishes, you know, or watering the lawn or something like that, where all of a sudden I get a thought about something that I was thinking about earlier during the day. I let the clutter leave the front of my brain and then something broke through. So what activities do you guys do? That seems to allow creativity to flow through. Is there something in particular in the shower? Thank you, Kelly. I wasn't going to say it because I thought that might be TMI for some people. But I I agree. When I'm in the shower, it just seems like I have these ideas. But we can't take long showers in California any longer. So (laughs) you probably shouldn't in general anyway, right? (laughs) Well, no, plenty of states have plenty of water. It's just where I live. We don't have any water. So, but You know, you can get that in the swimming pool, the sound of rushing water, like when we go hiking and we go stop at a creek and the whole family loves to just sit by the creek and listen to the water running and you can let your mind wander and the creative ideas come to me during that time. So there's something for me, there's something that water seems to have that. I love that. Gloria? There are a few things I do to actually get inspired, which is... Switching to what I do automatically, for instance, when I drive to my office or when I go to restaurants, listen to music, do it in a different way. So try to find new routes to go to the same places, meet new people completely different to your friends or listen to new music that you never heard before. So things that will spark like, hmm, I never saw or I never hear something like that. Oh, feels like or it sounds a little bit like. So you start connecting things. And it expands your your capacity to think or imagine, even when you go to a restaurant and then the food, it's a completely new restaurant and the food is different. And and it it shows you that you can mix new things when cooking or colors, when showing the whatever. So if you usually go, for instance, I, I like music a lot, but I also like painting. So I will have to go to completely different styles to actually feed my brain and find new options. If I keep doing the same or in some styles, then I um, am blocked for a while. All what I'm saying, you need a time, meaning you need to book or or find time to try new things because we barely find the time to meet our friends, right? So how how can I meet new people or to to go to a restaurant? I want to go to the ones I like Mm -hmm. or music. So you need to find the time to do that things in a different way. In a different way. I love that idea. And you know what I think is curious is that you mentioned it, Gloria and Kelly. You mentioned music and Kelly mentioned water, but those are very audio focused. I'm kind of like, well, okay, that's kind of cool. So sounds, you know, kind of drive a creativity mindset or lead you to think differently. But I also love the idea of Jason put it in here anything other than what I was doing. Exactly. Whatever it was, go in a completely different direction, whatever that may be. So Jason, do you have an example of that? How do you use that? It's anything. I just walk away. So if I need to, if I'm supposed to be producing a video or something for a course and I can't 
get like, where do I want to start with this? I will go and do something else or work on some reports or something or, you know, walk around, just kind of just take my brain away from focusing on that creative thing that I need to do. And then ultimately like I'm, something will just trigger in the back of my head and then the back, an idea will pop in and I'll just, then I'll be hyper-focused on it for the next three hours. When we step away, we allow the clutter to fall away, right? Maybe if we focus on it too much, that sometimes can create a block. Right, that force through the trees. Right. Yeah, and Mary, I, I'm with you. So Mary, do you want to talk to me about how journaling helps you? Well, I'm a writer to begin with. So anytime I'm going to put pen to paper, that's going to make a huge difference for me. Sorry, I just read Heather's comment. And yes, the act of writing is also art. It's taking thoughts and making them visible. And that's, yeah, that is visual art, which never occurred to me. Thank you, Heather, wherever you are in there. Anyhow, journaling. Yeah. So I just, I'll write down, you know, whatever I'm thinking or, hey, the sky is blue, the grass is green, the birds are singing, blah, blah, blah. Not thinking about what I'm trying to be thinking about, just thinking about what I'm feeling in this moment. Or in one case, I was, we recently changed CEOs and all of us are not really happy about that. And I was journaling my feelings about that and knowing that I need to get past my baggage with this person and having absolutely no idea how. And as I'm journaling, an idea comes out of left field and I'm like, oh my God, I should try that. It worked when I was dealing with other baggage and presto changeo, I'd say 80% of the baggage is gone now, but I'm a writer. So writing is how I figure things out anyway. Excellent. Well, and there's something to be said about that. A, a few of the creativity um, books and articles and such that I've read over the years say something about like brain dumping, taking a moment, picking a topic and just writing something off the top of your head just to get ideas out. And I think Maureen even mentioned this last week with the productivity one, or maybe it was Donna. Sorry, I can't remember. But it was just starting your day with 10 minutes and just writing stuff down and see what tends to flow out of your brain. So Andrew, what did you post here? So the conversation was about doing something else and you become creative and the science supports it that if you're doing another activity, then you by associate with the other activity, the thing that you've hidden away that you're not thinking of. The evidence is there, which does confirm it. When I say the science confirms it, this is science. They've done you know brain scans and the whole piece. There's a proper scientific study that, that supports it. So you can say science says that doing something else will make you more creative. It's, it's nice to be able to prove it with you know, a proper paper, for example. Do you know what I mean? And the other thing I would also pick up on is the conversation about writing. So I don't know if you people here know, but I blog every day. I write a blog post every day and publish them. There's a couple of reasons for it. So firstly, by publishing them, then I, I set an expectation um, on myself that I have to produce them. Um, but secondly, what I find is that it's like turning on a tap. I think it was Neil Gaiman who described it, or possibly Stephen King says that, you know, the first thousand words are rubbish. But it's like when you first turn on the tap, the cold water is not cold until it, you know, it's come a mile down the road kind of thing. And that's what happens. So I'll write a blog post and it will be terrible. And then the second blog post I write that day will be better. But then I'll go back and edit the first one three days later and we'll understand exactly what I'm trying to do. And that's where the creativity comes from. It's not a once and done thing. It's something that you work on again and again and again. So do the writing thing associate with other activities to create stuff and the third one for me like i said is to actually publish and go live on this stuff because that forces me to maintain mm -hmm. that practice around creativity people say i'm creative no i'm not i just work on thinking about other people's ideas and how to get them together right you've built a habit 
Exactly. Exactly. Right. I wonder which podcast you listen to, Kelly. Women in L and D talking to each yeah. other or something like that. Yeah, women talking about learning. I just found it. I mean, it was yeah. featured on Twitter, and I was like, "How did I not know about?" And then Shannon, you were on it, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, Shannon's on it," and I was jealous, Shannon, that you created a core group of supportive women in learning that you talk to every week, every, every week. week. And I was like, oh, I'd love to have that kind of network and support. So if anybody wants to start a meeting and we have a core group that we talk to each other every week, I'm in because I think we all face so many challenges at work. And I did put it in there that stress affects my ability to be creative and mm -hmm. I need other people to help me. And I think especially in L&D, we do help each other. And I love that about L&D. We know that we can't do it all ourselves and we don't have a corner on creativity and ideas. We don't control the market of that. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. But I think that that's another way. That's another creative outlet, isn't it? Is to talk about something maybe that you're not familiar with or maybe somewhat familiar with. Because what it does for me, the creativity behind this, this coffee chat, not this particular topic, but the coffee chats in general, is that it forces me to go out and do some research about that topic, right? So the productivity chat last week, I had to go out, I had to do some research, I had to read some stuff. And that forces me to think differently about a particular topic rather than me coming in cold with some assumptions. I think if you build this habit of doing something, anything, that's going to free your brain, and it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning, right? It could be at any time, you know, to Irby's point. So Irby, I think you said something along the lines of the part of your brain that says, I can't do this, goes to bed around nine or 10 o'clock at night, and then it picks up in the morning. It's about knowing your energy. Would you say that, Irby? The thing that I'm kind of working against me is because I'm a Navy veteran, you know, the military and stuff. And so there was this kind of a stay between the lines, the lines are our friends kind of condition where I tend not to deviate from the task at hand. And more and more often in my role, I'm a project manager. And so it's kind of picking numbers instead of, you know, like bells and whistles, for example. Anything I can do to, to kind of make my, my brain kind of go off on a tangent benefits the creativity, I think. Mm -hmm. We just let the brain flow, I think, is kind of some of the messaging that we're getting here. And I agree with you, Irby. A lot of times I just can't think about it anymore and I just have to sleep on it. And I think there's something to be said about sleeping on it to allow yourself to think differently when the morning comes around. Heather, does anyone else try to remember something you saw or heard and forgot about it later? all the time. Every time I enter a room, it feels like lately. And I try to write down all the ideas or things to check out when they're in my mind so I can refer back to them later for a deep dive. I keep a notepad by my bed because I will have an idea as I'm falling asleep. And I'm like, I got to grab that because it will not be in my brain in the morning. So I, I have pen and paper everywhere. And I, I know a lot of people now they put the notes on their phones. I I'm a boomer. I'm, I'm a dinosaur. And yeah, I've got a smartphone, but it's smarter than I am. So I much prefer pen and paper. There's something about putting pen to paper and actually writing stuff that connects things in my brain. Mm -hmm. Me too. Like I mentioned last week, you know, I have my iPad and I usually take all of my notes down there. I'm trying to get away from writing everything on post-it notes. There's something about the feeling of using post-it notes that I think enhance creativity. You know, it's the colors, it's the stickiness, it's the ability to move them around. It's very touchy for me. 
I'm all about if I can touch it, then I'm good. And my daughter often were in stores. She'd be like, mom, stop touching stuff. Like, I like the softness or whatever the texture is. And I think that that makes me think about different things. All right. So activity time. I do have something to sort of play with. So if you have a piece of paper, it doesn't matter what size paper, if you've got a piece of paper in front of you, here's what I would like you to do is I would like you to do five circles, 25 circles is what I'm looking for. So five circles across, five rows of circles, five rows of five circles. And so now you've got 25 circles in front of you. Here's what I'd like you to do is I would like you to turn those circles into something like, for example, a globe. Hold them up. Let's see what we got. Oh, Carol went with designs inside her circles. Awesome. Gloria did the same thing. We got designs. We got happy faces. I left one alone and called it a rock. <laughs> nice. I've got sunshines and people. Awesome. You know, when I did this exercise originally, I, I got through, I think, maybe 10 myself because I went kitty cat, doggy. I went animals first. You know, I put ears on all of the circles. <laughs> so that was the way that I thought about it. And a pie. Yeah, a ladybug and a peace sign. I love it. So something as simple, you know, just to kind of break into your, your creative thought that something as simple, how many iterations of a circle can we come up with? But I love how, see all of the different approaches. I love that you went with, let's create a design with it within each circle. There are no rules. So excellent. Good job. Are you guys ready for another one? So here's our alternative use exercise. What is one use for a ping pong ball that's not obviously using it as a ping pong ball? A dog toy, a ball cock in a cistern, a cat toy, beer pong, <laughs> dog toy, a craft item, practice putting, yes, earrings. Faking a snowman. Oh, faking eggs in an Easter basket. Yes. Christmas ornaments. All the different things that we can do with ping pong ball. All right. Now let's flip it. Let's go over to a brick. So I went something super light and then something super heavy. So what are the different use cases for a brick? A doorstop. A weapon. <laughs> okay. Yes. There is that. A garden edging, yes, sidewalk edging, a wheel blocker, a bookend. Oh, balancing a table, yes. If you get enough of them, you can use it as a laptop stand, I suppose, right? A weight, building a fire pit, excellent. Weighing down rat traps, I would not in a million years have thought about that. A pumice stone for <laughs> calloused feet, ah, vandalism. Oh, yeah, there's one way to get next back at that noisy neighbor, right? Oh, yeah, put it on the floor of the garage to stop your rolling going forward. Absolutely. Oh, fill a flower pot with them. Yeah, right now I'm using a brick actually to weigh down a bird bath. Then we had some really heavy winds and I didn't want it to blow away. Good job, everybody. And so talk about creativity. Here we go. <laughs> a little creativity in our creativity. A bit meta. Have one next to the water feature so the little dog can use as a drink. Yes, that's a step to get their drinks. I love that. Okay. What do those exercises tell us? 
right? Both of those exercises. So we did an alternative use exercise and we did the circles exercise. What's the method to the madness here? What, what purpose does this help us with or help you with? I feel like one thing immediately comes to mind, but then when you start seeing other answers come in, it, it boosts your thinking. Yeah. Right. Cause we can feed off of each other. So there's something to be said about trying to work your creative juices in a group setting, right? So you can better collaborate and bounce ideas off of each other. It flexes your brain. It kind of like makes you go a little bit further and think, Oh, what can we use it for? It's like trying to make your brain a little bit more elastic. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. So what would happen if we made this a practice of, I don't know, every day, maybe every day, let's just throw that out there. Every day where you started off, let's go with the circles. So maybe instead of circles, you you started with triangles and circles and rectangles and other shapes. And maybe it's not 25, maybe it's 15, just to sort of wake your brain up every morning. Yeah, sharing of ideas can expand our ability to think, right? Andrew, I see a hand there. I don't know if that's an old hands up or a new hands up. This is a new hands up, Shannon. Okay. So this is me being critical. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. A really interesting research on the benefit of doing creativity exercises like that. And they give us a serotonin buzz that we have done something creative. But actually what we've done is we've limited ourselves by the frame that we've built around the activity. There's a really interesting book by Robert Cialdini from the uh, Influence and Persuasions space. And he's come up with a really interesting 50 scientifically proven ways to be persuasive. And if you look at that, that talks about creativity in a different way. And I strongly, strongly recommend that one. And I also recommend the one that we spoke about in our book club as well, the book by Alf Rain, R-E-H-N, about creativity as well. And actually, we have to be thinking much more I wouldn't say aggressively differently about what we think about creativity. What am I saying? I'm saying that there is an industry built around creativity, which is about Mexican food, which I talked about in learning before. We move the same things around again and again and again, when actually what we should be doing is putting all of the ingredients out and allowing people to put things together in their own way. So we limit ourselves by the nature of the activities we design. Because we work in an instructional design space, we assume that we must be creative in the instructional design. I saw a really interesting piece this week, for example, where there's an organization that's come up with some brilliant AI, which you put some words in and it then plays a video back to you. Brilliant idea that you've got this thing which can do that stuff for you. So you've got a video with an AI person. It doesn't actually question should we be delivering learning in that way anyway? And actually probably we shouldn't. But it bypasses that and it makes us more creative, but within the wrong context. I agree. It's about not really putting ourselves into a particular box. And in instructional design, we have a tendency to say we have to do things this way. And then we branch creativity from that particular path or that particular area of expertise without looking at what's around us, right? And so when you think about instructional design as, okay, so we're going to create this course and we're going to create a PowerPoint around this course. But what if you didn't start with PowerPoint? So it's like, okay, I'm going to be creative with my PowerPoint. But what would happen if you didn't use that at all? I'd roll it back a step. I'd say, why are you creating a course? Now, if you're not creating a course, then that's the thing. If you're not creating a course, then that's how we should be taking thinking back brilliantly. 
brilliantly put in by Carol within the, and Maureen as well, talking about playing with Barbie dolls. And the conversation mm-hmm. came up earlier about we do things as kids, we don't do them as adults. And the reason being is because as adults, we fit into specific conventions and there's a convention around instructional design, convention around workplace learning, etc. that what we do is we work to that convention and that limits the thinking to within a certain space. Children haven't got that limit around the thinking. Right. So it could be much more creative around it. And what we have to do is it's not about being childish, but it's thinking about what are the conventions that are limiting the way that we're working. And that's what you'll get from the book, particularly the Alf Rain book, the second one, which is to challenge the way that you're thinking about being creative. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because I remember playing with Barbies when I was younger and, you know, you had to because now Barbie comes with all, all sorts of stuff and it sort of impedes your creative mind, doesn't it? Because now we've got all of these different things that we can use. And you got the Barbie airplane or whatever. And But back when I was younger, you didn't have all of those accessories. So you had to use the, you had to use the Kraft macaroni and cheese box as the bed. Because she fit perfectly on that, right? If we take away some of the constraints that are creativity imposters, Maybe that's the way to think of it. It poses itself as being use all of these different things, all these different Barbie accessories to be creative. But really, that's sort of an imposter. You know, take away those accessories and create your own. And now you're being creative. The same thing applies to conversations as well. So if you're in a group with the same group of people every week, guess what? You'll establish conventions around the way that you as a group talk about stuff. And somebody might want to challenge it, but won't because of the social ties that exist within there. Not saying that happens in this space, but the same thing happens within school as well, or within when children as well. So I got that. It was brilliant. Carol was nodding her head vociferously when you're talking about a craft macaroni cheese box because Carol knew that that's what you did because that's the thing that all girls when they were younger did. And it was seen as that was the thing to do. If somebody used a different boxes outside of that don't know you know were they seen as and so the the what we rate and what we value and we the social values apply to creativity as well yes sorry i'll shut up now that's okay <laughs> the, same, the same thing does apply to legos heather absolutely and we see all those different boxes of legos that tell you to build a helicopter or tell you to build a car or they tell you to build this um, star wars thing but you know now i see legos actually going back to selling just straight legos I've seen they've made that shift now, which is great. Now you just buy Lego kits, which is Lego pieces, which is how you only could buy them back in the day. And we are at the very top of our hour. You know, this was a great conversation. And I think it really inspired me to go and think about doing some of the things that I do, maybe in a different way, or maybe just take some time to breathe, go outside, look at some flowers or go play with the dogs. And everybody, I hope that you guys are going to have a a good weekend. Any special plans? Yes, and thank you, Andrew, for all the references. Andrew, what are you you up to? I was going to say, so I'm off to go and see the prodigy tonight. Oh, that sounds like fun. Fire starter, yeah, those guys. So, uh, yeah. That That sounds like fun. And hopefully you're managing the heat okay over there. Thank you, everyone, for hanging with us for another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. Well, that was fun. It all started with the question on the table. What will it take to move out of the limiting belief that we are not creative? Well, there were two big takeaways today. One came from Heather. 
Take control of your inner narrative and simply take those words out of our vocabulary. Negative speak has a huge impact on how we see life. Now the second came from Kelly. The creative process is full of failure. And it absolutely is. The creative process is a continuum. Sometimes we're on top of it and sometimes we just feel like we aren't. And in general, people have a fear of failure. And when we think about tackling creative activities, the idea of putting ourselves out there, well, failure becomes 1000% more scary. So therefore, your action item today, make a creativity daily habit. So first off, you can go out and purchase Austin Kleon's Steal Like an Artist journal or download the creative checklist from the show notes below. And as learning rebels, you're already positioned to think differently. And thinking creatively is all about thinking differently, however that may manifest itself. Now, if you want to join us live, and you know you do, go on over to learningrebels.com and sign on up. And in the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now.